everyone. Welcome to the Market Scale Podcast Studio. I'm Giovanna Nath, and joining me today is Jake Batzel, an Associate Professor of Journalism at Southern Methodist University. Hey, Jake, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Doing terrific. Glad to be here. It's a great sunny day today. I'm glad we get this nice view. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and the uh, Market Scale offices are, are hopping. Yes, yes. Well, today I just wanted to start off by talking about public distrust of the media in general. Over the last 20 years, the public trust of the media has looks like a roller coaster with some valleys as low as 32% and peaks as high as 41%, but it hasn't gone back up to the 51% mark since the late 90s. Why do you believe that the public has just been losing trust of media in general and as a whole? Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, Gallup's been polling uh, the public's trust in the media since 1972, and it hits high, high water mark back in uh, 1976 during the Watergate scandal. It was up to 72 percent. Um, but as you've noted, it's been down to you know closer in the, the 30s in more recent years. I think it's because there's just an explosion of information out there, not just news information, but all forms of media. And we're just constantly bombarded uh, with with information coming from all sides and in all platforms and formats. And so whereas in the mid 70s, when you had limited sources of information, you had, you know, newspapers, magazines, TV and, and radio with the Internet, you just have um, so many different sources. It's hard to make sense of what to trust and what's credible. Um, and also as consumers, because of that or as uh, as just, you know, people who consume media, uh, we are. Um, uh, just skeptical. We're, we're skeptical of, we're, we're increasingly uh, becoming uh, less trustful uh, of, of what's credible and what's not. And so, um, so I think it's really just the pace of society and then also the, the digital revolution just as, uh, you know, it really accelerated the flow of information and that's left us all feeling a little bewildering about, uh, feeling a little bewildered about what we can trust. Yeah. And just because of all this bewilderment and overwhelmment and like just the news media skepticism in general, reporters have been practicing this open source journalism, right? Which is all about constructing stories based on publicly available data, which is all what business journalism is all about. So what does open source media, uh, open source reporting mean for businesses? Well, I think um, it, what, what, what that really embodies is just this idea that of having a direct relationship with the audience that companies, uh, brands, uh, don't have to go through the media, uh, to get their message across anymore. And so, um, you know, they, and, and you can connect people with information uh, and, and bypass the traditional media to be able to do that. And so, um, it's this whole idea of, uh, I wrote a book called engaged journalism, connect, connecting with digitally empowered news audiences and the same dynamics that we're seeing in the new me news media um, as having a one uh, having a two way relationship with the audience instead of the one way lecture uh, model that prevailed for most of the 20th century. You're seeing that with with companies, too. I mean, uh, companies have their own direct relationships uh, with with audiences and um, are are creating content that goes you know directly to them. Uh, and so. Um, what it, what it means is it's an opportunity for businesses, for sure. And it's also an opportunity for the forms of journalistic storytelling that used to be dominated by traditional legacy media. Um, you know, you can you can apply the same approach uh, and have that relationship with your audience uh, without having to uh, go through the, the filter of the traditional media. Right. So like just like you said, it's a great opportunity for companies nowadays to establish those relationships with their clients. And can you talk about how to tell a great story? Like, how do they establish like a really good relationship between their company and the clients, especially for a company that's previously been distrusted, like the Enron scandal or something like that, for example? 
Well, sure. I think, you know, certainly in times of, of crisis communication, um, there's uh, to tell a great an honest story is uh, not to try to uh, butter it up and make it think, make people think that everything's awesome, but to, to be authentic and, um, and, and direct uh, and communicate uh, straight in a straightforward manner. Um, and so you're seeing that happen more these days um, with, uh, you know, s- certainly with native advertising and branded content campaigns. Um, uh, I've done some research visiting uh, news organizations that have adopted branded content studios. And um, in one place that I visited was uh, Axios in Washington, D.C., the online site uh, founded by the co-founders of uh, Politico. Um, and they, you know, Axios, they're they're. Uh, mantra is smart brevity. So they deliver email newsletters and, and, you know, bursts of information, uh, in bullet point form, really concise to the point they're aimed at smart, busy professionals. Um, a few years ago, uh, when United airlines had its, um, uh, its situation where, uh, uh, they re- forcibly removed the passenger from the plane and got some really bad negative publicity from that. They, um, you know, used, uh, you know, the, a native advertising campaign with Axios to deliver information in the same um, bulleted straight to the point format about, OK, here's, you know, uh, we're aware of the, the crisis. Here are our new policies with bullet points, um, with our new rebooking policies and um, no removals from seats, you know, in, unless it's um, uh you know, for security reasons are absolutely necessary. And that was one one example in, in my research around the time that I was going around and interviewing folks as, as an example of how you could use that format, the the uh, the native format to get a direct message across um, in the in the same style and voice as the editorial product. Um, but at the same time, um, it wasn't a uh, you know, it, 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 it wasn't a real, um, positive moment for the company, but by being authentic and direct, they were able to, um, get the points across that they needed to at the time. Mm-hmm. Native advertising definitely gives a company the power to be able to fix something when there's a scandal like that or to, and to show their authenticity and that they can regain people's trust. So how exactly should companies go about telling a good story? Like some specific, what are some good angles to to create a good story? Well, I think the the episode of this podcast a few weeks ago, uh, uh, examining uh, how to be human, especially with video content, you know, telling stories. I like that the example in that podcast about the the screwdriver company, you know, and and you know maybe selling a batch of uh, screwdrivers to. Uh, a, a warehouse, you know, a big hardware warehouse or something like that. And instead of emphasizing, you know, how awesome the screwdrivers are to, to tell, you know, interview um, one of the employees who makes the screwdrivers and the meaning they get from it and, and you know, uh, the the soul they put into their craft and kind of telling the story, humanizing the story in that way. Um and I think that's the the opportunity uh, that that companies have these days to go direct and do that. And but to do that, you know, so you're, you have to veer from the salesy approach of like, here's this product or here's this initiative, and we're going to hit you on the head with it 
right away. Um, and this is why the product is so awesome. This is why our company is so awesome. Um, and instead just kind of engage cur people's curiosity about a subject or an issue, um, and then establish yourself as an authority in that subject. Um, and so I think, um, you know, for some of these, uh, native advertising studios that I visited, um, newly launched by news organizations, you know, one of the classic examples that comes up is, is, uh, uh, Netflix with its orange in, in orange is the new black, uh, series, the women inmates series that they did, um, at the beginning of, uh, launching a new season of orange is the new black. Um, they didn't, uh, Netflix did a campaign with the New York times, uh, T brand studio where they weren't, it wasn't just, Hey, here are the characters, here are the storylines. Here's why you should stream the, the second season. It was a journalistic approach, uh, to the issue of women in prison and how the, uh, the American prison system is very much set up, um, uh, to, cater toward the needs of, of male prisoners. And, um, if you go and look at the videos and the interactive, um, components of that campaign, it really is journalistic in its storytelling approach. And part of it is, um, taking the human approach that, uh, that this podcast, uh, you know, has been discussing for, for weeks. Um, and so that's part of it is just to, to, to drill it down, um, and really kind of earn the audience's attention with a compelling approach that um, is not really any different as a journalistic outlet uh, or a documentary maker trying to do the same thing um, to to on earn the attention of your audience on the merits of just how interesting and compelling the uh, subject is. And uh, so uh, I think companies uh, have an opportunity to do that directly uh, these days, much more so than um, they ever have before. I know for me, when I saw the Orange is the New Black, I had no idea it was associated with you know, with um, Netflix. I just thought that it was a documentary or something like that. They did a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was able to interview um, as part of my my research, um, Melanie Dezeal, who is a uh, she has a master's degree in journalism from Syracuse University. And, and she um, was she produced that piece uh, for T Brand Studio, but they took a very journalistic approach to it. And she said, you know, she. Um, you know, rigorously fact checked every every fact that was published in that piece. Um, you know, she had um, stacks of notebooks, you know, with with uh, color coded post-it notes. And, you know, she she took a journalistic approach to it. And uh, and it's true. If you if you watch even just the first few minutes of the uh, the main video for that piece, uh, you you understand very early on that it's uh, it's it's not trying to just um, tell you how awesome Netflix is or, you know, you should vote for an Emmy for Orange is the New Black. It's, um, you know, these are real people, real women who have been in prison telling their stories and it earns your attention in that way. And in that way, it sort of it really establishes um, the show and gets people talking about the issue and, and gets them engaged um, and uh, establishes authority uh, in a much more organic and authentic way than, um, traditional advertising approaches do. Exactly. I mean, a lot of times people might think of a business journalism story as just like the stock market or an earning story. And no, it's much more than that. If they establish like the story behind it, then it really gets audiences engaged. 
Yeah. I mean, I think business, business journalism, and I teach a business journalism course at SMU and, and uh, I used to be a re, a business reporter myself. I was the retail reporter for the Seattle times, uh, in the late nineties and early two thousands. So it was a lot of fun to cover companies like Starbucks and Costco and Nordstrom. And, um, certainly a lot of business journalism is about the numbers and is about how the stock's performing and, uh, you know, earnings per share and, and, um, you know, top line sales and bottom line profit. Um, but the best business stories, you know, really are all about, um, uh, human drama, you know, and, 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 uh, so, I mean, you have to master and understand uh, the, the numbers, uh, but then the stories behind, uh, behind the numbers are what really, uh, you know, what really deliver with, with audiences. And so, um, but I do think, you know, with daily stock market data and all of the government, uh, macroeconomic data we have, um, it's maybe a little more transparent, uh, form of, form of journalism in terms of the daily numbers. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, businesses can, um, present the numbers, uh, in a, in a way that's better, that you know, more favorable, uh, to them and, and, um, so, you know, part of part of business journalism is um, interpreting the numbers and and uh, knowing where to go uh, to get experts, you know, third party experts to help you make sense of the numbers as well. So um, I think uh, um, even myself included, you know, I, I studied, uh, you know, talking about trust in news. I went to the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State University. I had the chance to meet Walter Cronkite. He was the most trusted man in America during that era in the mid 70s that we talked about. Uh, the height of Watergate. Um, and um, uh, it was it was uh, a terrific, uh, a terrific uh, institution to learn from. Um, but uh, uh, to, to earn to earn people's trust. Um, but but these days, I think you can um, you can do it. You can earn that trust um, by uh, you know, taking, um, business, the, the numbers of business and understanding them, but then translating that into, uh, into compelling stories. And so, um, I thought I was, you know, going to be a political reporter, um, and ended up finding my way into business reporting. And I didn't really have a real strong interest in business reporting, um, until I was out working as a journalist. And I was part of a fellowship program at the Seattle times where, uh, after a year on the Metro desk, they said, okay, you're working in business now. And I was like, Hmm, um, I'd always heard, you know, the Dow closed at such and such today or the S&P closed at such and such on the radio and it went in one year and out the other. Uh, but um, but then I found, you know, in doing it, that it was it was just so interesting. And business touches every aspect of our lives um, uh, in terms of the the wages that 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 we make and um, in terms of just keeping our, our global economy running. And um, there were just um know, so many layers of stories to be told uh, in business journalism. And it, it was it was really fascinating to me. And so um, that's what I'm trying to, to get across to students now, too, is that, um, sure, you need to know the numbers, uh, but uh, compelling storytelling is more than just is more than just uh, regurgitating the numbers. So how do businesses that are maybe just used to regurgitating the numbers, how do they go about like learning the journalistic approaches to coming up with a compelling story? Yeah, well, I think uh, in in the B two B context, um, you know, where it's, uh, uh, I mean, we're we're seeing you know great examples, and and the podcast a couple of weeks ago talked about the the Google Super Bowl ad, the B two C Google ad that um, 
uh, really pulled on, tugged on people's heartstrings and got people talking about it and still has people talking about it, uh, you know, six weeks later. Um, it, it might be a little trickier in a B2B context because it's more, you know, professional in a business context. Um, but I think, um, you know, in the B2B uh, atmosphere is, you know, you, you, you do have a shared understanding and perspective about filling a need for each other um, and finding um, ways to tell those stories and using journalistic techniques to tell those stories, I think, can be really effective um, to, to kind of convey that shared understanding more more effectively. So um, in the screwdriver example <laughs> that we're talking about, you know, um, you know, that's one that's one uh, example uh, is, is um, you know, by humanizing the employees who make those screwdrivers, um, you know, that could be a way to to grab the attention of B2B customers and, um, you know, have that authenticity come across uh, in a more human and personal way, as opposed to just a, a, a product video um, that, you know, tells you all the nuts and bolts of, of the screwdriver. And so I think um, I think. I, I, you know, to me, what it so much of media comes down to these days, whether it's traditional news reporting media, um, whether it's, you know, content marketing, um, B2C marketing, B2B marketing, you know, it's earning the attention of your audience. I mean, that's what because of this explosion of information that we talked about uh, at the start of this podcast, um, you know, we're all, you know, constantly in a battle to earn the attention of uh, of of bewildered uh, uh, consumers who are just constantly bombarded with information. And so I think a way to earn the attention of B2B customers is to um, take that more human approach or uh, or uh, a, a jur using journalistic storytelling techniques where you start with a little bit of a story that um, that kind of ties into and resonates to the larger theme that you're trying to get across. And you can certainly do that in video, um, as this podcast has discussed, but um, that can apply to um, bullet point native advertisements like we were talking about with Axios or um, uh, podcasts or email newsletters. Uh, you know, you're going to if, if you're if you're it's an email marketing campaign, you're going to need to earn the attention of B2B customers with a uh, with with just the right subject line that gets somebody to, um, you know, open the email in the first place um, and, and then get more deeply engaged as well. So um, there's the the channels of content are so much more, uh, uh, numerous than they were, uh, you know, even, even a decade ago. Um, but the general premise is, uh, earning the attention of your audience by, um, connecting with them as human beings. And I think that applies just as much in a B2B contest, uh, context as it does in B2C or, um, you know, news media to, uh, uh, to the public. Right. And then exactly just gaining, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> gaining the audience's attention will like get you the clients and establish those relationships that you need for the future. Yeah. And, and, um, I think, uh, you know, that this, when you, when you connect with an audience and earn their attention and earn their trust, um, you're building a relationship with them where then in, you know, in future, if you subscribe to an email newsletter or you watch a video, uh, you know, you're, you're more likely to be receptive to that content in the future when, um, when in future campaigns. Um, so, um, 
So, so part of it too is, is, is building that relationship. And even, you know, in the news business these days, um, so much of it is about forming habits, right? And, and that's why there's this big push towards digital subscriptions, uh, and memberships as opposed to, uh, the, the drive by page view traffic that you have from one video or one story going viral. Um, I mean, we had, uh, the publisher of the Dallas morning news in our business journalism class earlier this week. And he really talked about that, about how so much of the emphasis, it's not, it's not, they're, they're paying a lot more attention these days on how to get their audience more deeply engaged uh, and spend more time on the site and to form habits to sign up for email newsletters to um, subscribe to podcasts and certainly to subscribe at least digitally to the paper if not um, to the to the print newspaper on your on your doorstep every morning um, but so the quality of audience uh, and the quality of uh, interaction is much more important um, especially with subscribers uh, than it is uh, the massive reach of, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, jacking up those page views. So, um, so that there's something I think to be learned from there too, is that, um, you know, it, it's, uh, from a, from a business, you know, reach certainly matters, you know, but, um, when you're establishing that authenticity and you're earning the attention of a really motivated and engaged audience, um, that is going to breed longer term success for, um, your business mission, because um, you've earned their attention and you're trying to get them in the habit of constantly earning their attention. Well, thank you, Jake, for all this wonderful insight on business and journalism and business journalism as a whole. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. Tune in again next time. <laughs>